How do I navigate intimacy if I don't feel sexy? What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. We're not afraid of your questions. So bring it. Let's share a review first before we get into that question. Uh, The review says, yes, so excited that I'm connected into this amazing content you all share. Uh, Waiting eagerly for more wisdom and insight. Thank you so much. Awesome. We're excited you're connected in too. So keep listening. Hopefully hopefully you get stuff out of what me and Tyler talk about. Yeah, excellent. Well, Brandon, this is kind of an exciting thing. This is uh, our first question. It's going to be a voice question that was has come through our podcast. So it's not actually a caller today, but we do have a voice question. It's a really good, deep question. Do you know how how can somebody go and leave a voice message question? I think it's through Anchor. Okay. Yeah, they can. This one came through Anchor, and they can go and leave a voice question. The other way that they can reach us is they can fill out the contact form, and they can also call. Um, call Love Strong. Okay. And so if they look up lovestrong.com and call Love Strong, they can actually just ask a question straight to our staff and they'll document the question. And So there's all kinds of ways people can get their questions to us. You can write in questions, which we get we get to most of those, we've but got not a, we've, all of them. We're we've getting got a more bat, and more. We've got a big backlog. So, yeah. so people who are asking questions, if you're listening to our show and you're asking questions, we will always we will always push a caller to the front of the line yes. and we'll also push a voicemail to the front of the line because we enjoy your engagement. It's more it's more authentic, more real. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we don't appreciate love the, the love written the questions, questions yeah. and we do try to get to them. And we did an episode recently where we were just firing through as many as we could. Yeah, we're trying um, to catch up on the backlog. We got so many questions coming in now that it's hard to catch up on them all. Yeah. So I I do appreciate this voice question and and it's a really good question. So should yeah. we should we get into it? Let's, let's jump let's jump right into it. I'm going to actually play it here and uh, and then let's let's talk. So here it comes. Hi Brandon and Tyler, thanks for taking my question. Um, I just wanted to ask about some body issues and um, pornography addiction. So I had breast implants put in approximately 17 years ago and recently got them explanted a few months ago and really struggling with the new old body that's now scarred up um, because of that surgery. And um, my husband also, you know, has been dealing with a pornography addiction for many years, which really has been swept under the rug. Um, But now really coming to light and really fueling my insecurities um, over my new body. And I just would like to talk to you guys or maybe you could give some advice about overcoming that. Um, Obviously, work has to be done on the pornography side, but also on the intimacy side um, between the two of us and just looking for some advice there. Thanks so much. All right, Tyler. Good question. Excellent question. Um, and there's, uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot of different things going on in that question. Yes. And, and the culmination of everything that's going on, I can understand the struggle there. A hundred percent. I mean, you're basically taking something that I think is a common thing for most people about just wondering about their own insecurities and their own body 
then you add on am to i beautiful it. enough am, am I, I sexy am i desired and yeah. all of those things and then you add on to it some changes that have taken place and then you add on top of that the struggle that comes along with betrayal being, trauma with and betrayal pornography trauma. addiction right yeah. um it's kind of a perfect storm a little mm -hmm. bit when you put all those things together um, but I don't, I don't think that it's not that, that you can't overcome it and that you can't work through it. I think there's actually a lot of opportunity here for growth and for um, real deep connection and, and intimacy in the relationship because of these struggles. If, if they're handled properly, like just about everything else, they become an opportunity. It's hard to see it that way when you're in the pain and the doubt and the fear that, that obviously she sounds like she's in struggling trying to overcome yeah so let's let's start kind of at square one here mm -hmm. and and this is kind of what we do in therapy some in that usually what i do is before i get too focused on the issues in the relationship um usually the issues in the relationship are more of the symptoms coming out uh we pull back and look at the individual here right and so um, and the reason why we do that is that's really what's in your control. hundred uh, percent. You know, and so let's look at what is your part of your healing to, to be able to do that work. So then the relationship can work. Right. I think that's a great place to start. I, you know, so often I don't, I know that, you know, a couple comes into our office with a similar type of an issue here. And the focus is first on the marriage and on intimacy and, and it's almost backwards to do it that way because intimacy and saving the relationship and healing all of that, especially sexual intimacy, has to be based off of trust. And when there's not a lot of trust there and there's not a lot of self-confidence there, it's hard to lean in to, to doing that process. Well, Tyler, I think it, it, it lends to uh, an issue that m many people have, which is we want our spouse to love us and validate us and we hope that through that happening in our relationship then then the world will be set right and everything will be okay and there, there's a problem with that and the problem is is that our spouse whoever our spouse is your spouse my spouse yeah. does not have the power and authority to validate my worth and my beauty and who i am and they, they don't they they don't have the ability to do that. They can want me. They can um, desire to be close to me, those type of things. But in the end, whatever they do is a reflection of them, not a reflection of me. Exactly. Right. But, it, but, it's, but it's enticing. And, and this is also where it kind of gets like sticky because we are pursuing a relationship with somebody because we want to have a secure place to be. We want to feel supported. We want to feel loved. We want to be seen as valuable, but it becomes a, a sort of a drug that we pursue that our partner is going to answer all those questions when they don't really have, like you said, the authority to answer those questions. Right, right. It's, right. It, but, but it does turn into a, a consumption thing where I, I'm using my spouse like a drug, like an addiction. I need you in order to be okay. And and so w when that's the case, it can really set you up um, and, and it can set you up big time for a lot of shame, a lot of intense feelings of rejection, um, a lot of self-loathing. And your partner becomes one big trigger to all those things because 
because of the things that they do. And right. so and that's and that's before an addiction is involved too. Yeah, throw in a you pornography know, addiction you, or some betrayal or some th- then it's very intense. Right. Um so having said all this, so what, okay, what let's is this, get let's get back to the basics. To now, the point so, here. The so. point is is that your work and what's in your control and your power is to figure out how to and I'm gonna say this and you might roll your eyes and think how do you do this? Like what? But figure out how to see yourself as beautiful, as sexy, as as a daughter of God at, with infinite worth. Um, to love yourself and love your blemishes. Um, to to do that work to to not need to turn to your partner to say that you're enough. Right. That's the inside out work that you're talking about. And I know that probably a lot of people listening right now are saying, "Okay, that's like the." Uh, that's kind of the the canned response that everybody says, you know, I'm thinking of like Colby Calais try video, you know, where, <laughs> where, where, you know, it's like, we, you don't have to try so hard and just love yourself. Take as you your are makeup and, off and, and walk out into the world and, and yeah. be beautiful. Right. Yes. And, and in a sense, like everything that you just said is absolutely true. Like all, all that is absolutely true. The question that I know that a lot of our listeners are probably asking now is, well, okay, how do I do that then? Like I know, yeah. I know the answer, but my head knows the answer and my heart doesn't feel it. And I don't even know where to go. Well, well, t- Tyler, the, this trauma, then this is trauma. This is little T trauma. That's intense, which is these messages of that your beauty and your worth is contingent upon and it needs to live up to things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from, from the moment we're born and especially little girls, um, you need to look a certain way and be a certain way in order to be okay. Mm-hmm. And why I say that's trauma is because those messages lead to shame. Um, and, and and those messages truly are a lie. 100%. They are a lie. But it's so ingrained and so automatic. In your head, you might be thinking, yeah, what Brandon's saying is true, but in your heart and in your soul, you you might not believe it at all. Right. Right. So I think that one of the first steps is you need to see the lies. You need to realize how ingrained they are inside of you and, and where, do, where do they come from and why are they there? Yes. That's a skill that we call practicing uh, critical awareness where, and you're kind of getting at it now. And I, I'd love to be able to have a verbal conversation with this caller because, you know, it would be really nice to talk with her and understand her totally. But we live identifying the lies, you know, that's what you're saying. Practicing critical awareness. We live in a culture that is designed by nature to make us feel terrible about ourselves because when we feel terrible about ourselves, what do we do? We buy things. We buy things. We buy a new car. We buy a new makeup. We go get implants. We, um, you know, as a man, like I have to have a certain status, you know, and so the marketing comes in this packaged up really cool way of marketing. But what it's always designed to say is, you'll be better if you have this thing or you don't quite measure up until you get this thing. And that's not to say that buying things is bad, not or at all. Have, but, but it really is the intent behind is, is if I have shame that says I'm not enough. And so therefore I'm going out to get these things. I'm actually still fueling that I'm not enough. Shame. Shame is a, is a multi mega billion dollar business. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And yes. and even it even gets packaged up in really interesting ways that you've seen the Dove commercials. Have you seen the Dove mm-hmm. commercials yes. where they're like, you know, telling these women to embrace their beauty and their natural stuff, and yet they're still basically selling them something by saying, well, either be this way, you know, so the, the rest of the advertisements are saying like, no, you need to be a certain size with a certain breast size with everything else. And then Dove comes in and says, no, 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 just come the other way. But they're still trying to sell something. Well, right? yeah. And and at the end of the day, it's these two ends of the spectrum that are in conflict with each other that put us in a, it's like Brene Brown talks about this web that we find where there's these two ideals where I either should be totally fine without my makeup and I should be totally okay to just be myself and then on the other side, it's like, no, I need to have everything put together and I need to look really good. And and then what we find, and we're talking about women right now, but it's men too, is they get stuck in the middle of this web where they can't they can't actually ever achieve either ideal to what society is telling them. And then they feel helpless and hopeless. And then what they do is they scramble and they swing from pendulum from one side of but, the pendulum to the other. But Tyler, here, and I know you've experienced this, is if I if I, I'm talking to somebody who has a lot of shame. Who, who doesn't love themselves, doesn't love their body. And I say to them, you should love yourself because you're enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you are enough. You're, you're amazing. You're good. And they have a lot of shame. And I'm saying that to them. What does that do? <laughs> well, right. And what they hear on the inside is, oh, like. Oh, you're telling me again yeah, that I'm broken. Once again, you just told me that I'm not good enough. <laughs> you know, I have big fat fingers mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> like <laughs> my wife calls them sausage fingers. Um, but I, I, it shame, shame perpetuates shame. And when I'm in a therapy session with a, a, uh, a client with a lot of shame, it, what it feels like is, is like I've dropped my wedding ring down a pipe and I stick my fat finger down to try to grab the, the ring out. And what do I do? I push it further down the pipe. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know. So listening to this, it might be, you might be feeling like, yeah, well, it's so broken with me. Why do I, you know. So, so just stop for a minute. Um, Tyler and I might need to shut up about telling you that you shouldn't have your shame. Right. Um, I, think, I think what we're getting at for the first step here is that it's, one of the first steps is to become critically aware of how and why we're receiving and, and feeling those messages yes. of shame. So it's not necessarily saying don't get don't have your shame. It's like, no, let's step into understanding this. Let's actually be curious with why and how I started to believe and think the way that I do. I, right. I you can even take that a step further and, and appreciate it. Like, wow, this shame and it's it's been there trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's my way I've tried to cope with this world in this life. Thank you very much, shame. Thank you very much yeah. for being there for me. Now I'm to the point in my life where I don't, I don't want you anymore. I don't want that anymore. And I recognize the messaging. I recognize what you tell me. I'm going to notice when you tell me that, <clears throat> but I'm not going to ingest it. I'm not going to take it on. And I'm actually going to challenge it a little bit and do the opposite of what um, you're telling me. And and Tyler, this is where I think, you know, listening to, to this podcast is great, but it's not going to shift someone's shame. But I think the most therapeutic thing is when somebody can get conscious of their faulty core beliefs and their identities and then actually become aware of them and then actually choose to act against them. And in the acting against it in that moment, that's when they, that's when they experience I am lovable. I am okay, even though that messaging tells me the opposite of that. 
Right. So, so you're moving into kind of a, some other steps now where it's yes. like, okay, so what you've covered so far is become critically aware of the messaging and where it's coming from. Once I'm critically aware of it, you're, you're adding in another skill that we teach called the act opposite to emotion yes. skill, which is that once I recognize it and I recognize it that I am living from that place of the lies that I've been sold and I understand where they're coming from, I am now going to do something that's going to go against that old belief because that's how I'm going to train myself into a new habit of how to see myself and how to live. Yes. So uh, I want to bring it back to the question here and and maybe you can mm-hmm. talk through with, with me what this would actually look like with, with her. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my body's scarred and broken and that my husband is not attracted to me sexually. And why would he be? Because I'm broken, right? Mm-hmm. So walk me through, Tyler, like the process, at least to the point of where we're at now, what would this look like for her? Okay. So, so obviously there's a lot of pain and fear there. She, she at one point had some, some implants. We're going to have to make some assumption because we don't know the full context. Yeah. At one point she had some implants. She no longer has those implants. And what's left now is a changed body that has some scarring. In some ways, this is kind of a, like a beautiful metaphor for other problems in life that, um, there's a, there's a concept that, you know, John Eldridge talks about that when we're wounded, that, that God will basically pursue us through those wounds until we're able to finally see him and allow ourselves to give ourselves to him. Okay. And so, so in this situation, I'm now sitting in this place where I'm looking at my scarred body and I'm wondering like, what the, what's going on? Like I'm broken. I'm unattractive. Let's say I'm looking in the mirror. My husband just rejected me. Mm-hmm. I just got, yeah. Okay. I just got rejected or, mm-hmm. or my husband, maybe even from an addict place, even made some vocal judgments about my body or my yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Like some big trigger. I'm now looking at myself in the mirror. If we're, if we're going by what we were just talking about, I've got to stop that and go, okay, what am I experiencing around? There's my shame for sure. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling fear. I'm, I'm ugly. I'm, I'm not enough. Ugly. There's all of this self-judgment that's coming up. Okay. I'm going to recognize that self-judgment first and say, okay, like I recognize that I'm having these thoughts and these feelings about myself. And this is going to sound weird before I try to change it. I'm just going to validate it. Yeah. And say, this is where I'm at. This is, this is what I'm feeling. And to feel this way makes me human. Yes. I'm, I'm not alone. There are literally right now, probably billions of women in this very moment that are feeling something similar to what I'm feeling. Yeah. And and I would add in there, Tyler, if I can, um, validate yourself and, and, and just empathize and have compassion for yourself. (laughs) right then but but also if you do have a good loving support person that and Brandy brown talks about this all the the time that you can call and speak your shame to and just say i feel so broken Mm -hmm. i feel so unlovable and and they don't fix it and they don't they just say i hear you i love you Mm -hmm. you're good enough because i love you and in that moment when you're really in your shame that's really powerful very powerful. So, so you're moving through this thing. So we've got the critical awareness piece. You've got the self-compassion piece. The next piece to this, and this might be the part you're talking about with acting opposite to things, is, is that shame constantly wants us to stay inside of ourselves, all that doubt and fear. So to go and find a safe place to speak those things becomes very powerful. That's, yes. that's acting against what the emotion of shame is telling you to right. do. And so whether that's finding a good support group. That is so hard, oh, by the way. And your so shame hard. has trained you to isolate and hide and not do that. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Absolutely. Right. And so, and so a lot of people don't even know who to turn to over these kinds of things because they're so afraid of how it's going to affect other parts of those relationships, whether it's with their friends or their colleagues. Or, Although you and I both know, Tyler, right. I, I know I, I, I just off the top of my head, I can think of five women with a very similar issue. Oh, totally. Of, of the woman that asked this question. Yet she probably feels so alone. She feels right? totally alone and she doesn't want to bring it up with anybody because it's such a vulnerable thing, especially with and this is maybe another layer we should get into in just a second, especially with how I'm viewing my body in the context of my overall identity. Yes. And, uh, and so now it's like, because it makes it more vulnerable to think, well, if, if I put a lot of weight on how my body looks as to who I am as a whole person, um, obviously we want to take good care of our bodies and all of us want to work on being attractive and that's okay, but it can't be the driving factor of my value and my worth right. or else it becomes a problem. So, right. so, but when that is the case, it makes it a lot more difficult to do the reaching out. And yet that is probably one of the most powerful things that's going to allow for that shift to start to happen is that when I put myself in a place where people can understand me and see me as my scarred self and still look at me and go, thank you for sharing. Like, I love you so much you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, it's almost like it fractures it that release system. Yes. Right. And when I'm able to do that, so shame, so shame, I become more and more resilient to my own shame over on my body. The more that I find the right supportive places to speak that shame. Right. Right. Have I ever told the story of the girl um, walking down the, the hill at the U? Mm -mm. So I, I was, I was, uh, um, undergrad student at the university of Utah and the, the, behavioral sciences building is right by this pretty steep hill. And it was in between classes. There was a ton of kids walking around, ton of people. And uh, I'm walking up the stairs um, and there's this, this steep hill. And it was this time of year. It was like mid-March. Um, and mid-March in spring is pretty muddy. And, mm -hmm. and there was this really cute girl, like this beautiful girl. And she was wearing high heels and, and a long like skirt. And for some reason, she decided not to take the stairs. She decided to walk down, oh, no. the, down the grass hill. And she slipped on her back and slid, I, I swear, like 20 feet. Like a slip and yeah. slide. <laughs> like a slip and <laughs> slide on the mud. And, and we all were literally looking down at her um, because she had mud caked all over her back. Like, and, and we're looking and not knowing what to do because she's so far away, we can't run down and... And she stands up and she puts her arms kind of in the air and she twirls around and with a big smile on her face and takes a big bow. <laughs> and, and we all start clapping. I love that. Start, you know, um, but she could have, and, and maybe she ran in the bathroom I guarantee and cried. she felt that in the inside. Maybe, she, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but it's just a good analogy of, you know what? I got dirt caked all over me. I'm a mess right now. And here, here, here am I, yep. this is me, this is me, right? And I'm going to own it and I'm going to just be who I am right now. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, she may, she may have gone in the bathroom and cried, but I promise you, Tyler, her response to let everybody see her mud, um, killed the shame that that could have produced for her. Exactly. Right. 
Um, Basically, what she did in that moment is that's a great story, Brandon. Uh, I, I relate to that, having gone to school in Rexburg, Idaho, where it's like icy out for like eight months out of the year. You slip sliding like, around everywhere. I, I've had my fair share of laying on my back on campus <laughs> with people looking at me. So, like, <laughs> <it's> yeah. A, <laughs> but but what you're but what you're getting at here is is that what she ended up doing is taking something that could have been a shameful thing that said, "Oh, I'm bad" or "I'm something's wrong with me," and she turned it into probably either something that we would call humiliation or embarrassment. And right. so it's a, still a painful emotion, but it's not a, the defining emotion that shame tries to tell me that I am. Right. right. So she's, yeah, everybody, everybody who would have walked down that hill in high heels is probably going slip and sliding, right? Like that's, <laughs> right. that would happen. Right. To, she's not alone. That could have right. happened to anybody that, you know, and so for her to just kind of get up and twirl and but take a bow. I got to tell you, Tyler, I was a single guy at the time and I was attracted to, you know, any, any girl you know, <laughs> at that, <laughs> that point in my life. But when she stood up with confidence and twirled around, um, I wanted to go get that girl's phone number. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Because like that is attractive. I, I was more attracted to her with mud all over her back than without it. Right. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Because because of the essence that you saw her living the with. Strength, the strength. The strength that she the, had. She understood who she was. Right. Rather than if she would have hurried and tried to dust dust off the mud and get and act perfect again, mm-hmm. that that wouldn't have conveyed that type of strength. Right? Right. Um, but we, we get that backwards so many times where I've got to – I got to – put on the show and look a certain way in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, which is actually totally backwards. Yeah. I'm thinking of another story that, uh, that I, that I experienced that actually led to me kind of getting to know my wife. Uh, I was in, I met my wife in social problems class and <laughs> in school. <laughs> my, I didn't even know there was that type yeah, of class. Yeah. Social problems. Yeah. So, uh, so, but, but basically, I, mean, uh, I bet that class would be a lot different today than it was 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure it is. Cause we got a few social problems going on. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's what the, the class was about was about, okay, let's talk about poverty and let's talk about all these things that are going on in our world. But, um, I remember, the, I was I hadn't really even met or talked to, to my, the the woman who's now my wife now Rihanna yet, but she sat in the front row and I sat like three seats behind her. And one day she came into class and we sat down and we had this lesson about migrant workers and they showed this video. And then after the video, the lights come back on and she's just in tears, just sobbing. And then the teacher singles her out and says, "What are you experiencing right now? Talk about what you're feeling." And she couldn't even talk, and she was kind of like choking, and you know, and and stuff, and she was kind of embarrassed because she couldn't get any words out. And then the and class she was ended. emotional. Yeah, yeah, the class ended, and then she hurried out. She went running out of the building, and I knew that she was just like totally mortified over over that experience. So I chased her down the stairs, and I just stopped her, and I said, "Hey, look, I." I so appreciate your willingness to show your wholehearted feelings on this. Like, I know you probably feel embarrassed, but I just, I, I really appreciate that you were willing to share yourself that way. And then I ended up walking her home and we talked and then pretty right. soon I was walking her home after class every day. And, and now she's your wife. And, of 20 and now, years. Now she's my wife and yeah. she's continued to be wholehearted that way ever since. But, but that exercise, that's what we're talking about here for to going to bring it back to the topic is that's the exercise is to say, okay, I am looking at myself in the mirror with a scarred body and I'm acknowledging that there's some scars there. And I'm acknowledging that there's certain things about those scars and about whatever's going on in my life that makes me feel extremely vulnerable. Right. Um, right. I, 
Okay. Despite that fact, I am going to find some safe places to speak those things, to challenge those things, to, to vocalize those things in a way of basically teaching myself to reframe how I see myself. Right. Is, is, I'm going to ask a really weird question here, but I think it, it kind of is at the crux of, of her question. Um, is authenticity sexually attractive? Is authenticity sexually attractive? Attractive? Yeah. Because that story you just told about Rhiannon, mm-hmm. is, I mean, you ended up, you were obviously sexually attracted to her, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you were attracted to her authenticity. You were attracted to her emo- her being emotional, her, and, and it led to intimacy. And part of intimacy is sexual attraction, right? Sure. So because what we're kind of saying to, to this woman is that instead of trying to be something that she's not, instead of trying to prove herself or be good enough for her husband, own who you are, love who you are, be authentic. Um, does that, is that sexually attractive? That's, that's insanely attractive. Yes. You know, I, if you were to talk to, you know, pretty much anybody that we're, that we would work with, whether or not there's an addiction involved, it, it changes. There's an energy shift that happens yes. when you're, when you're, when you're in a relationship with somebody who knows who they are. And of course that leads into being more attractive. Yes. You know, I love my wife's confidence, you know, I love her, her confidence and, and I, I also love how she looks. I love all of that about her. Um, if anybody shows up in their okay, relationship. Okay, but, but hang on, Tyler. I want to challenge you here. So let's say she has to have a double mastectomy mm-hmm. um, this week. Mm-hmm. Then what? That's going to be really hard on her. Of course, she's going to go through the same thing that this caller is talking about. She's going to go through her own doubts, her own fears. Uh, but I want your honest truth mm-hmm. with, with being attracted to her, mm-hmm. sexually attracted to her. She has a double mastectomy. She has her confidence. She has her tender heart. She has her. She, she doesn't change who she is. Yeah. And she has a double mastectomy. I'm putting yeah. you on the spot. No, I know. Yeah, you, that's fine. You can but, put me. But on I the think spot. this is kind of at the crux of it, right? You can, you can put me on the spot for this because I think we could tie it to something that's really common for a lot of other people. You know, my my wife has had four children. Uh, right? yeah, absolutely. When you have a child, it changes your body significantly. Yes. And when you have four children, it changes your body in even more significant ways. And I can tell you, and this is just from my own experience, that I am just as, if not more, attracted to my wife now than I was when I met her. And you're talking sexual, physical attraction, uh, even though her body has changed a lot. Absolutely. Yes. And I would say the same thing about my wife. Mm-hmm. No question for me. There's, there's, right? a, there's a habituation effect, which means we get used to something when we're in a long-term relationship and we go through something with somebody and we, we basically work through our struggles together, that habituation effect gets stronger and we actually find ourselves being more attracted to somebody. So yes. that's why like, you know, we can see, let's just say, let's see people who are 75 and 80 years old right. who by the standard of what you know, the world would say is attractive, would not be attractive, and they are totally... They have amazing sex. They're tuned into each other because (laughs) they're insanely attracted to one another, right? And so this this might be right at the core of what this question is, is that if I build myself from the inside out with confidence, with appreciation for who I am as a whole person, and I actually live that way as I develop those things, that's actually going to be one of the best things that I can do to help things go right in my relationship intimately, sexually, as as recovery happens now there's a whole other layer to that because if recovery is not happening 
that's not going to work anyway. Well, but, and that's what I was going to say is, yeah. you know, really, you want to get yourself to a point where it's like, hey, husband, it's your loss because I'm attractive and I'm a catch and I'm beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and still, and this I think this is a hard reality, um, she cannot force him or make him um, not be full of lust and objectification and and seeing her in those ways. So right. she can do her side of the work. He may not do his side of the work. But if she does her side of the work, there is a guarantee, and that's that she'll feel better. She'll feel more at peace, more confident, more sexy, more beautiful, and regardless of what he does, the quality of the quality of life increases regardless of what the other par- person does. Yes, it decreases the suffering and self judgment, and increases the confidence. And so now I can see it for what it is, which is that if I'm in a relationship where the whole focus is on how I physically look, I now don't feel shame over it. I go, dang, there's some issues there. Right, right. Like he's got some issues to work on. Right, right. It's yes. not about me anymore. It's it's really about saying, okay, well. I'm going to continue to love myself and I know who I am and yes. I, suffer, I suffer less and it allows me then to also set different boundaries in my relationships, which is a whole other topic. But Right. Yeah, I was meeting recently with a, a woman and she was saying how her husband's a perfectionist and he's a perfectionist when it comes to the car he drives, how clean the house is, and what his wife looks like. And so he will criticize her eyebrows and you know, her weight and her, and he needs her to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to her and she's like, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard. Like I'm living this way, doing all these things. And she's completely miserable in her relationship. Shocker. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, and what's interesting is it's almost, she's so gaslighted and so fooled that she, she's meeting with me almost wanting me to tell her how she can live up to his standard. Right. And and you can imagine what I said to her. Yeah, you basically said, um, I want you to not get like all dressed up tomorrow. Yeah, I want exactly. You, don't do your makeup. Like I said, that's exact, I said, be you. Like, just be she, you. She's like, I don't, I'm not a house cleaner. That my, our house is, I've never kept a house perfect. I said, tomorrow, leave the socks out on go. the floor. Don't intentionally to make him mad. Be you. Be yeah. who you are. Right. Let it go. Yeah. And and when we say let it go, don't like let yourself go in terms of like not take care of yourself. But yeah, take the pressure off and realize that if any of these messages are coming from your partner, we're turning to the wrong source. Yes. She's made him her God in many ways. Exactly. The question is, is did I, with what the energy was in the tank that I had today, did I do the things that were most important between me and God, not between me and even my partner? Yes. And that sounds backwards for some people, but that's the way it has to work because then I can do an assessment of myself and say, okay, I had 30% in the tank today, which means I got showered and I was able to get dressed and I was able to maybe get the kids off to school. Right. I win today. Right. Right. Um, because I gave my 30%. Yes. Maybe tomorrow I have 100% and then I get dressed and I'm able to go accomplish a few other things that I won't really want to get to. Right. And then I can look in the mirror and say, you know, I did I give everything I had today? And the measuring stick is my heart that I give my heart today. Right. The measuring stick isn't how I look. The measuring stick isn't right. You know? Yep. So I, I think the, the first step to not getting caught up in, um, being shamed by your, your partner objectifying you is that you stop objectifying you. 
Yes. Um, you, you stop seeing yourself as your worth being contingent upon the way you look, um, how you show up as perfect as a mom or like stop objectifying yourself and start trying to see yourself the way that God sees, sees you. Yeah. And, and, and when you start to feel that and recognize that you'll show up different in your relationship and your partner will have a choice. Either they can love you, the real you, or not. And that that's them, and they need to figure out their own work. Exactly. Right? When you say that, that's scary for people because that means there might be change. Exactly. But but that's the truth. That's the way it is. Right. So um, this is a really good question. So grateful to you for sharing your question and your heart this way. Um, I'd love to hear what some of our listeners' thoughts are on this as we've talked about it. Hopefully we get some comments and things back. But um, yeah, great, great topic. And, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up, but I do want to say um, we, there is another side to this. And I just want to say, husband, if you're listening to this episode, um, recognize that your wife has some shame. It's not your job to fix her shame, um, but it is your job to actually truly figure out how to love her, um, how to battle for her heart. And so working your recovery so that you don't objectify her, so that you can truly see her beauty with her, her, her body the way that it is, um, that really does create safety and trust and deep, real intimacy. So work your recovery and, and love her because she is beautiful. Absolutely. That's a great way to end, Brandon. All right, you guys, if this was helpful, then uh, please share it and leave us a review. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, guys. Thanks.